Hey, if you want to grab a seat, we're going to go ahead and get started. Cohen and Lily are coming around and passing out some handouts, too. So if you don't mind grabbing a seat, that way you don't get missed. Hey. <laughs> um, all right, if you don't mind grabbing a seat, Lily and Cohen should be coming around. If you don't have a handout, raise your hand. They'll bring it around for you. And so we got some more over here, guys. Um, and then Lynn's going to read for us to kind of reset our minds and hearts back into the conversation of Sabbath and work. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. One final word, friends. We ask you, urge you, is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God, not in a dogged religious plod, but in a living, spirited dance. You know the guidelines we laid out for you from the Master Jesus. God wants you to live a holy life. God hasn't invited us into a disorderly, unkempt life, but into something holy and beautiful, as beautiful on the inside as the outside. If you disregard this advice, you're not offending your neighbors, you're rejecting God, who is making you a gift of his Holy Spirit. Regarding life together and getting along with each other, you don't need me to tell you what to do. You're God-taught in these matters. Just love one another. You're already good at it. Your friends all over are the evidence. Keep it up. Get better and better at it. Aspire to live quietly, resting from the labor that is not yours, attending to the work made for you. You've heard all this from us before, but a reminder never hurts. We want you living in a way that will command the respect of outsiders able to live dependent on no one. Thanks, Lynn. All right. As Lynn read for us, as Paul said to the, the church of Thessalonica, the ones that, again, remember, he deemed as the example of Christian faith to the, to the province of Macedonia and Asia, the ones who Paul thought had really kind of figured out what, what, is, what they're supposed to do and how to do it, he says to them, you know the guidelines we laid out to you from the Master Jesus. God wants you to live a holy life. God hasn't invited us into a disorderly, unkept life, but into something holy and beautiful. A beautiful on the inside is the outside. Holy and beautiful, that's what we're invited into. Beautiful inside and out. That's the after Easter life our Master Jesus has made possible for us. That's what we're after when we talk about being whole and holy, seeking a whole and holy life. A life alive with God, raised with Him that is whole, that is complete. Beautiful in its form and in its forming, in its function. Beautiful in what it is, beautiful in who you are, but also beautiful in what you do. A life that's holy, set apart for something special. A, a soul service to God and to others. Since a life whole and holy is what we are invited into, we, as Paul say, aspire to live quietly. We rest from the labor that is not ours. We Sabbath. We, we aspire to live in a rhythm, not just on one day, but throughout our days, in which we are at rest in the peace of God, in the way God has made us, in who we are in God, whole and complete in Him, in a way that from our resting in God, we are actually able to do the things that we were made to do that we were actually take the work that God has crafted for us and crafted us to take part in and go about and do it. 
We Sabbath resting in God's finished work, the wholeness and completeness, the peace of life formed and kept in God's good design. Our fathers continued, our fathers creating, our son, the son and spirits continued recreating. And then we work. We participate in the life holy, a life set apart, made for us, a life of labor of making peace. Our daily work of cultivating life good in the very good destiny of life in our Father's presence amid the finishing work of the Son and the Spirit. That's where we want to be anyway, right? I mean, those are kind of ideal words. There's a lot of them. (laughs) We want to live whole and holy. We want to be beautiful on the inside and out, complete and whole in ourselves and our relationship with God and with others, set apart for something that matters and lasts, doing things that aren't just to get through the day, don't just have a temporal sense of being, but are part of something grand and bigger than us, even in their minuteness and ordinariness. That's where we want to be. We want to live resurrected lives. We want to live lives now that practice life forever. Lives whole and holy in rhythm with God's good design and destiny and our, our own good design and destiny our, and the good design and destiny he has for the world. Listen, this pre-fall, before the fall rhythm, the created rhythm of resting and working and the post-exile order, this post-life of slavery into life of freedom order, one day of rest, six days of work is not in and of itself a life changer. At least, not if we miss the withness of either a day of rest and the work that we go. The goal of working, of Sabbath and working, is not merely to stop doing and then start doing. That's not what we're talking about. Listen, if you just, if over these last couple months, if you just think that, hey, if we practice this thing, if our schedule's set up to rhythm to where we have one day of rest and six days of work, then we'll have it all figured out, then we're missing something. We're not, it's not quite complete. The idea, that the heart of what we're trying to capture is what comes in our resting and in our working, and that's being with God. The goal is not merely to stop doing and start doing, but to be with God and rest and with God and work. And here's what we've said so far about it. Let me just wave a quick reminder. We said the Sabbath is a day. It's a day. No matter what we've talked about, again, I'll say it one last time, no matter what we've, it's kind of been known culturally for Sabbath to be, in Scripture, it's always a day. So you can have a Sabbath heart. You can have moments of Sabbathing within the midst of your day. You can have all those kind of things. But to, when we talk about Sabbath, we're talking about a full day, a 24-hour period, usually from dinner to dinner. So, for instance, dinner on Saturday night to communion on Sunday evening, right? Like that time period in between is a time of rest, can be a time of rest, can be a day set aside, set aside to stop striving, to stop doing the things at creating life, maintaining life, trying to get life under control, whether that's to take hold of life, whether that is to functionally survive in life, and just rest in being found by God, being kept by God, being loved by God, being known by God. A day to give up trying to earn all those things, get all those things, maintain all those things, keep all those things, and rest in being kept, known, and loved. In that resting, it's not just a ceasing from labor, but it's a ceasing that allows you to be whole with God and others in creation. It's it's a way of being on that day in which your communion with God is complete, in which the way you relate to your spouses, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your roommates is whole and complete. 
is not, is not trying to prove something, gain something, like try to, to, to wiggle your relationships into the proper place, but to be at peace in the midst of life as it is. Because it's a day of resting in what is already done. Christ's death and his resurrection. The end of sin and the forever of life with him. Right? It's a way to practice eternity to a little bit of a degree, right? Sabbath is a day. It's a day to stop doing things to try to get life and rest in life given to you. It's a day to be whole in that resting, to do things that allow you to be complete in that resting. And it's a day to resist as an act of freedom. Remember the Sabbath is given again in Exodus after God's people who are bound for hundreds of years in oppression, as they're moving out of oppression into freedom, into the promised land, they're given again this Sabbath commandment to remember it, to keep them from being bound again by the things that bound them in the first place. It's a day to live free from the things that bind us. The physical things, the emotional things, the mental things, the things that keep us from living free. Now, all this is on your little handout, little questions in the Sabbath. So we've talked about this throughout the series. So look, this is, this is just, a, just a fun piece of paper. It's just to help you as we go through, because I'm flying through some things. But these are all the questions that we've worked through over the last eight weeks on Sabbath. Questions that help us move into what Sabbath is. Sabbath Again, is a, is, a, is a set time. It's a set-apart time. So when will you Sabbath? When we talk about becoming a people who Sabbath, who, who stop striving, be whole, and resist for freedom, it starts with when do you do it, right? When's your day? What do you need to do in order to make the day different? That's the second question, right? What are the things that you need to do? Perhaps things you don't normally do. What do you need to not do? Maybe the usual things that you do. And this could even, remember, remember, even apply to like even the normal things you do in relating to God. Maybe you read something different than you read on your normal quiet time. Again, it's just an idea. I know, like, uh, I think it, Holly was talking about it a couple weeks ago. She doesn't normally, in her quiet, quiet time with the Lord on a regular basis, get out in nature to do it. So on the Sabbath, a way to help her make the day special and different, set apart, She's like, okay, well, maybe I can go outside and do it. Now, you, can, you can't do that anymore in Dallas, um, at least for the next few months. But you could a couple weeks ago, right? But it's, again, it's not necessarily something wholly different, not completely different, but just different enough to help distinguish it. What do you need to do different in order to make this day special? What are the things that you need to do or don't do that cause you on this day to miss out on the good that's already there? Because again, remember, today about being whole. So what are the things that you do or don't do that cause conflict in your relationships? Whether that be a relationship with those closest to you, whether that be in a relationship with God, whether that be in relationship to your work or even creation. What are the things that you do or don't do that cause you to miss out on the good, to overlook the good of the relationships that you already are immersed and enmeshed in? Again, this is just a question to help you think about kind of digging deeper into the things that make Sabbath a Sabbath. So it goes from when is it to how is it different to in the midst of it, how am I actually being whole by kind of looking at the things I do to create tension, conflict, 
overlooking. And then what are things that I can do on the reverse side of that that can allow me the space to delight in, cherish, and strengthen those things? What are the things I can do on the Sabbath to help me delight in, cherish, and strengthen the very good relationships that I have? And as we think about this idea of being whole, we come to realize that, again, like a lot of this kind of bleeds in together, but that in the end, like what we're trying to do is actually resist the things that bind us and live free. And so what do I need to resist as Sabbath keeping? Not just actions and inactions. Sure, those are parts of it. But what are the attitudes that I need to resist? Is there a way in which I interact with my spouse, my children, my, my, um, my roommates, that the way I speak to them or the way I act towards them, like if I can avoid that during this day, or maybe, maybe as a parent, like for me, like trying to be conscious of how quickly I get onto my kids on a normal day, Maybe I get on them less quickly on a Sabbath day, right? Like, I mean, it's little things, but it's a way of, like, this binds me. What binds me? What keeps my soul from being whole and complete with those around me? And so what do I need to resist, whether it's an attitude, an action, an inaction, or even words? And then at some point, we have to ask ourselves, why are we resisting Sabbath? Because what's true, what's been true throughout history is God's people have resisted this invitation, to live quietly, to, to stop doing the work that we're not supposed to do and to rest in God's, in God's goodness and grace. And if it's true of people throughout history, it's probably true of us, right? Why do we not do Sabbath? And letting the Lord kind of siphon and sift our own hearts to a place where we can come back to the first question. Okay, so where do I start? How can I start? I can start really simple. I can pick a day. I can do something different. I can do it in a way that allows me to be free from, whole and complete in, who God's made me be. Free from the things that bind me from it. And in that, I can Sabbath. It's really simple. Like, we've intentionally tried not to give you, and we'll talk about this a little bit in a second, but I've intentionally tried not to give you a, a specific outline for Sabbath. And I know some, some of us have different histories with Sabbath. Some of us have no histories with Sabbath. And so that may or may not be helpful. The questions may be too too many things for you to figure out. But it's really simple. It's meant to be really simple. That doesn't mean it's easy, but it's meant to be really simple. A day set apart to be whole with God and others as a form of resisting so that you might actually live free, to get to experience the freedom of life in Christ, of resurrected life. But as we talked about, we are not made to Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for us. That's what Jesus said, right? We are made to work. And so we don't just Sabbath, we also work. And if we miss that, then we kind of miss, if we miss how to work with God, because we talk about being with God and others in Sabbath, if we miss working with God, then it's going to be really hard for us to Sabbath with, with God and others, right? So these things have to go hand in hand. We have to get them both right together, help them line up together for us to actually be in rhythm, right? We could do Sabbath really well, but if we work really poorly, Sabbath is actually going to be really hard for us. Sabbath is actually going to be something that like, is, is a counter to what we actually want it to be. I actually think that's why the Pharisees missed the Sabbath, right? Not just because they missed the heart of the Sabbath. They missed the heart of the Sabbath because everything in between the Sabbath was this life on their own, was this life in their own terms, was this life not in line with what God was already doing, this work of what God was already doing, but trying to make, some, make God to do something. 
And so the Sabbath became just a form of another form of their labor, but through resting. And so we don't want Sabbath to be that for us either, right? We don't want to, to fall into that same trap. So what we said for work is this. Work is what we are made for. It's what we were created for. We were created in Genesis chapter 2. We were made to participate in God's continuous creation. God created humanity. He placed man in the garden. He said to, to the man, work and keep the garden. In the midst of chaos, take this thing that's beautiful and amazing and incredible and participate in its growth, in its maturation, in its flourishing. This is what we are made to do. We are meant to cultivate life good. And that's what work is. Work is whatever we do to cultivate, to make or maintain life, whether we get paid for it or not. Biblically speaking, work is whatever we do in word or deed to cultivate life good, whether that's something we get paid for, something that we don't get paid for, whether that's in our, our homes, whether that's in an office, whether that's in a neighborhood or a community, the things that we physically do, the words that we use to make life. That's work. And ideally, purposely, created in creation, it's meant to be good work. It's the work that we were shaped and crafted, as Ephesians would say, to do. And so, as ones who believe that, that believe that, that we're meant to do good work, we said, work is done well only when we love the work, what we work for, and those we work with. That to, in order for work to be something that is that we can do with excellence, to be ones who strive to, to, be, to, to do our work and not just get by with work, because it's something we're made for, it's a part of, of our calling, that we want to do it well, and the way that we do it well is we love it. Now, that doesn't mean we love everything about work, right? All the details about work. But we love what work is, which is what? The cultivating of good. Right? We love that. Even in our most mundane things, the work that we do, the things that we do, the words that we say to cultivate our life is actually done to bring about good, to help life flourish. And so we love that. <laughs> we might not love all the things that that includes. Right? That's okay. Like, it's, it's difficult. We know that in between Genesis 2 and Exodus 20, right, in the, the, the first, the giving of, of rest and work and the commandment for rest and work, there's a lot that happens there, right? Like sin, the fall, like all kinds of stuff, right? Enslavement, everything. All those things happen in between those two. So we know that there's tension in our work. But we can still love work. In fact, we're made to love work. And loving work allows us to be in harmony with the thing that we're made for. But not just the thing that we're working for, but those that we're working with. We can never disconnect our love for work from the, from the people that we work with. No matter what. Like, remember when we looked at Colossians 3 and how Paul there gives us all these kind of complex, or not complex, all these, these, these places of work, and how they're all relational places whether that is employee and employer, or whether that's husband and wife, or that's parents and children, whatever it is, it's all in relationship. Nothing you do, even if all you do is work at a computer at home, is done alone, right? Because listen, again, work isn't just the thing you're paid for. Work is also the relationship that you make, the community that you build, the life that you build for yourself outside of the thing you're paid for. So even if your work feels isolated and you don't work with anybody, which isn't true, right? Because there's no, there's no kind of paid labor that is just you by yourself. Um, 
everything you do is with others. So there has to be an affection for others for you to do it well. A growing affection for those that you labor with, whether that be your spouse, your roommate, your coworker, your boss, your employees, whatever it is. But what distinguishes what we said, doing work well, because there's lots of people who do work well, from like a Christian work, from work that's God that's God oriented and God honoring at its base foundation, right? What makes it good is that good work is when we're at work with God. Good work is the product of being at work with God. Good work comes from offering our work to God. This is what Paul said in Romans 12, what we talked about last week. Offering our work to, to God, the things that we do with our hands, the things that we do with, use with our words, but not just offering them to God, but then to welcoming God into all the little tasks that happen throughout the day. Welcoming God into the work that we're actually doing. Being aware and conscious of God with us throughout the day. Being aware and conscious of God in the people that we're working with, in the people that we're serving, in the people that we are around us. To being actually fully aware of God's presence and our existence, our working, actually taking place, just like in Genesis 2, in the place that God has made for us. A place where God dwells with us. That we freely dwell with God and walk, work and walk with God. That, only in doing that, are we able to do good work? Only in doing that are we able to be led into the work that God is already actively doing, even in, even in the very businessy things and normal, ordinary things of decisions and opportunities we have before us. This isn't just saying, like, we need God to lead us into the big decisions, but we need God to help us, to lead us, to want to counsel us, even in those small things, what seems small, of our everyday labors of cultivating good. That we actually believe that God is already working and showing us a way to do good work. Because he's made us for it. Even when at the office we're not sure what to do or not to do. And that all of our kind of faith practices as a faith family have actually historically been designed and organized to help us do this. To be attentive to God wherever we're at. To be responsive to God to wherever we're at. To live a life that does good work. And so, again, on the page, the front page there, like, the questions that we ask on how do we enter into work, like, part of it is just recognizing the work that we do. Because sometimes we don't, we differentiate work as this thing I get paid for and then the rest of life, right? And maybe we even go further and differentiate all kinds of other things too, right? We have life of faith, life of friends, life of all that, but we won't get into all that detail. Most of us, though, when we think about work culturally, think about the thing we get paid for. But biblically, work is more than that. Work is fundamentally more than that. And so to, in order for us to get into the right rhythm, we have to be able to answer the question, what do I actually do to cultivate, to make and maintain a good life? And just kind of walking through our own daily activities in words and deeds, and how do I do those in a way that honors God? Do I do them with love? Do I give myself wholly to the good of what I work for and those with whom I work? Am I giving myself as Paul would say in Colossians, single-heartedly with a pure heart, out of the fear of the Lord, out of this awe and wonder of God's presence with me? Am I entering into it? And then asking ourselves, real practically, how will I be at work with God? How do I offer God my work? We talked a little bit about that last week in the pastoral note this week. A little, even a, a prayer that Jesus prayed for us as a way to help us enter into, offer our work to God, and then welcome God 
How are we going to welcome God in our work? What are the practical things that we do to actually welcome God while we're in the midst of our labor that he's made us for? Now, the tension, I think, that we all feel in this after Easter life is directly related to our willingness and joyful submission to this divine rhythm, to a day of resting whole, completing at peace in God's finished work with him, and six days of holy, set apart for a purpose, work with God, for his glory and ourselves and others. I think the tension that we feel is, is, is often caused by our desire to do, do it differently. Or, or maybe our, it comes from a, a way of, uh, I see the idea of it, but I have no idea how to get from the starting point to the finish point. So either we, we want another way to do it. We don't like this how simple the rhythm is of one day of rest, six days of work. We want something more complex, more, more outlined, more detailed. Or we're just confused on how do we get from point A to point B. How do we move from this taking this idea of something that we believe into actually living it out? And so what is true of our generation has been true of the generations before us. God's people, again, have always struggled to keep in rhythm, in this rhythm, for various reasons. So feeling the tension of it is normal. Feeling the difficulty of it is normal. This has actually been the human experience since Genesis 3. So welcome to humanity. Like you're a part of it. Congratulations. The historical and current struggle with this beat, this rhythm of one day rest, six days work, one day of whole rest, resting whole and complete in God. Six days of holy work. So it's not just rest and work. Remember, there's a difference. It's whole rest, holy work. Whole rest, holy work. If you're just taking a, vac- a, a weekend to rest, that's not, whole, that's not necessarily a whole rest. It's not something done for wholeness, right? If you're just trying to work six days to live and then take a, take a minute off, you're not in the rhythm. Again, look at all the studies around. This is why our culture right now is struggling. Do we have a five-day work week, a four-day work week, a three-day work week? How many vacations do we need? Why, what do you need to do on vacation in order to actually recharge? Because people are going on vacation and aren't coming back actually recharge. All these kind of things that everybody in our culture talks about is actually fundamentally what God is trying to show us in his scriptures and inviting us into. What is what it, Paul read to the Thessalonians, like this invitation that God gives us into life holy and beautiful. Whole and holy can be found in a day of whole rest, this rhythm of a whole rest and holy work. But because we struggle with it, and that's normal, that's why we actually need one another to help us get into, to grow into the people we desire to be. I think part of the beauty of the command given to us in Exodus is the assumption that we're going to need each other to actually live this out. We're going to need each other to actually grow into this. To be the people we desire to be, to be people who live whole and holy in God's design and destiny and his rhythm with him. We need one another. And that's what the backside questions are. How do we get into this together? So really quickly, what I want to do is I want to just kind of give us a couple more questions to think about of our life, of how we do this together, to help us as a faith family begin, again, because what we're talking about, even though we're concluding our our conversation on Sabbath and work today, the series today, this isn't a concluding talk on it. This is going to be a regular part of our rhythm and conversation. So this is how we keep the conversation going together. Like the first generation of the God freed, wandering between enslavement and the promised land, we have to be 
we have to both remind, be reminded that we need to Sabbath and also shown the way to Sabbath. So we need one another to learn how to Sabbath. So who do you look to? What are the resources that you're looking to to learn how to Sabbath? We've, we've talked about Sabbath before, so we actually have some resources. I think there's another slide there, Sam. We actually have some resources online for you on how to put together a Sabbath, what, all that kind of stuff. Ruth Haley Barton, Embracing the Rhythms of Work and Rest. Like Dan's recommend, Dan recommended to me. I don't know if he'll recommend it to everybody, but he recommended it to me. And so I won't, I won't put him on the spot, spot there, but I'll recommend it to you. Um, it's a good book. It's, got, it's, it's, pretty, it's more Sabbath than it is work-related, but it's a good kind of, kind of way to walk, work through the Sabbath, give you some ideas of, of working through Sabbath. There's also the person next to you, the people that you're actually like walking with life with. What you might be surprised if you actually ask the people around you is that some of the people around you have actually been Sabbathing for a while. Some of the people have actually kind of got, or have maybe a, a few steps ahead of, of us, or you and me, in this Sabbathing. And maybe even if they're not that far ahead, they're in the middle trying to figure out the same thing. And so you can actually be a great service to one another just by asking each other, what does Sabbath look like for you? How are you Sabbathing? Like the Lord actually gave us each other to help us do that. And I know it seems silly, but it, we actually have to ask each other about it. Like we're not going to, we're not going like to collect everybody's, what everybody's doing on Sabbath and then share it via an email or a podcast or whatever. Like you just have to like ask somebody. Just ask them. And it's okay, because listen, we've been talking about it for two months now, so it won't be weird. We've been talking about it, so just ask. So, who do you look to? What are the resources that you go to in order to Sabbath? Who, who are the people you can learn from in our faith family? And what are the resources you can look into? Again, Barton's a good resource. We have some resource, resources online as well. We'll actually have this with a little more robustness um, up later this week, so you can go through and use these questions and uh, some links and stuff that will come into them to help you with some additional resources. But we don't just need each other to learn how to Sabbath. We actually need each other to actually Sabbath. We, we need each other to be able to Sabbath. Without a community and accountability helping us to Sabbath, we'll be unable to do no work. Without people who can help us, especially those closest to us, right? Especially those in relationship around us, right? That we're in an intimate relationship with. If they're not involved, we really can't Sabbath by ourselves. And not only that, like Sabbath has always been a part of community. It's been a communal thing. And we'll get to that in just a second. But who can you tell that you're trying to Sabbath? So if you, if you have, the first question is, who can I look to? Second question is, who can I tell that I'm actually trying this? And I know that's a scary thing, right? Like we get kind of like maybe a little intimidated if like we're trying something and we're not very good at it. We don't want to tell other people we're trying it. And so we kind of keep it hidden and we just kind of go into it. Well, like that's, that's kind of defeats the whole purpose. And that keeps us bound, right? And the Sabbath is meant to help us be free. So who can I tell that I'm trying to Sabbath? And then even like this may be even more daring. You might think this is silly, but who can you help Sabbath? Like maybe, like just in your efforts to Sabbath, maybe you're not even great at it. Like maybe just asking the Lord, who can I help, maybe compels you to step out into doing some things, but also compels you to go in and invite yourself into other people's relationships, to relationship with other people, to help you both do something that you want to do. And then last but not least, how can I help our faith family Sabbath better? 
For those who have been around for a long time, you know this, that one of the reasons we keep things as simple as we keep things is because we value Sabbath. We want you to be able to have a Sabbath day. So five to seven people can run a gathering any Sunday. But only if we're all helping each other rotate through that five and seven can we, can we actually all get to Sabbath on a regular basis. Not that like helping at the gathering is ever supposed to be something that like ruins your Sabbath. Um, uh, hopefully that's not the case. But like even the idea of like knowing that, hey, I've got to come and do something on Sunday afternoon can kind of weigh on you a little bit on your mind. And so we try to make that super light to where we don't, nobody has to carry it all the time, right? But only if we're all willing to share the load. Can we actually all Sabbath? And if we do it, then we really actually get a lot of more Sabbath rest than if it was just a couple people who are doing everything all the time. And so, like, just by way of, of example, like, Deidre and Karen have been running, coordinating kids stuff, just them two, for like the last few months. So, like, every week, one of them two are doing it. So they're getting at least two Sundays a month they're having to serve. So if you think, hey, maybe I'd be willing to jump in and help with them, that would be a great, a great way to do, to help just coordinate the kids. I'm giving a little more opportunity for them to just come and to show up into Sabbath, right? Just as an idea, no pressure, just so, but just so you know, right? So we need each other to be able to Sabbath, and we also need each other to actually Sabbath with. Again, Sabbath is never a practice in isolation or solitude. Even if in your Sabbath there's quiet moments, but by the way, if you're married with kids, you probably won't have quiet moments on a Sabbath day. It just doesn't, that's not how the Sabbath is designed. So just go ahead and breathe those out. That's not the expectation. Like maybe you guys can form a way to do it together as a family or whatever. Like maybe that's a part of it. But if it's not, especially at the beginning, that's okay. But Sabbath is always meant to be with others. It's not just being around them, but being together with others as worship in wholeness and to worship. Remember what Leviticus says. The seventh day is the Sabbath day of solemn rest, a sacred assembly. It's a day which you're actually meant to worship with other people. Like, it's actually designed for that. Like, it doesn't mean the whole day has to be a day of worshiping with others. But at some point, a Sabbath, for a Sabbath to be as, as full of what it's meant to be, it's meant to be with other people. Again, that doesn't mean, every, like, you can have a Sabbath where it's just you. You can get off to the woods, you can escape and have a day of silence and solitude on a Sabbath. That's beautiful and wonderful. But the regular rhythm is meant to be with others. So who are you Sabbathing with? Who are the people that you're whole with, that you're being whole with together? And who are the people you're worshiping with on the Sabbath? And that may or may not look the same all the time. There may be seasons of life that that looks different. There may even be rhythms in which like, that looks different, but who are the people you're being whole with and worshiping with? And then on the work side of things, we don't need each other just to Sabbath, but we also need each other to work. We need one another to learn what work we're made for. Again, you remember what Paul said in Romans, right? That for as one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we there are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another that we are actually designed to help each other be whole and full and live into, mature into the fullness of who we are meant to be. That we have different gifts according to the grace given to us that we are meant to use, and we're meant to use for one another. So, how do we, so when we think about work, how do we, who do we look to, who can help us discover and discern the work that we're made for? We have this thing called the Giftedness Workshop that was put together by Ben Larzabal. 
and many of you have gone through it, but it's just one way in which you can invite others, an organized way in which you can invite others to help you figure out what you're meant to, to be, to do, to work for. And that doesn't just mean vocation. Sometimes, like, again, what we get paid for and what God's calling us into, like, in cultivating a life good aren't always exactly the same. They have an overlap generally to some degree, but they're not always exactly the same. And so there's a way of, of inviting others into helping you figure out what God's calling you into. And that may not be everybody's stage, but that's a lot of stages of the men and women in our faith family, right? Is that we're looking for what God's made us for. And we need others to help us do that. And again, on the, on the reverse side of that, who can you help discover and discern their work? In community, as individually members of one another, we're meant to help each other mature into who God's made us to be. So, who can you help do that? It's not just a person's responsibility. It's our responsibility as a family to help one another discover these things. So we need, we need one another in work to learn what we're made for, but we also need to learn how to work well and do good. We need one another to work well and to do good. Again, similar to Sabbath keeping, to work well, to be diligent with the submission of love, with, in submission with love, and to do good work in submission to God's good design and destiny. We need others to help us along the way, to show us how they work, encourage us to hold fast to the work we're made for. This is what Thomas Merton um, encouraged us to, to ask, encouraged people to ask him. He said, ask me what I'm living for in detail. Ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for. Then say, just ask me about what my likes and dislikes are. Don't ask me about what I'm going to do today, this afternoon. Ask me what I'm living for and what's keeping me from living for that thing fully. So if we know what we're called to, and we know what we're trying to give ourselves to, like, ask me about that, and then help me to do that well. What's keeping me from doing it? So who is asking you what you're living for? Who's asking you what you're living for, and who are you asking what they're living for? Again, we can also learn from, uh, from others outside of our faith family. Um, one of the resources we've kind of quoted and referenced throughout this series is Work Matters from Tom Nelson. So like, that's, a, that's a resource that you can, you, can go, you can look into. It's really good. The Made to Flourish group, which um, uh, some of us went to go visit in Phoenix a couple months or about a couple weeks ago. Um, they have a whole host of things of of uh, resources that are free online for how to do work well and to do work good with others. And so in your daily vocations, whether that's in home or whether that's in an office, how do you move from kind of a Sunday mentality into a, a Monday, like worship of, of God in the midst of your work, whatever your work is, they've got some great resources that we would highly recommend. So who is helping you work well and do good inside and outside of our faith family? Who can you help work well and do good, and how? These are questions that, if we keep asking, will actually help ourselves grow into, mature into the fullness of who God's meant us to be. And then last but not least, we need one another not just to, to learn how to work we're made for, to work well and do good, but to work alongside for the good. We need others, one another, to work alongside us and for us to join them. Cultivating a good life for one another and our neighbors, our city, and our world. We need each other to be a part of this thing that's bigger than us. It's what we're called to do as a people, not just as persons. Here's how Peter says it in 1 Peter. He says, you are the chosen, you're, one, you're the ones chosen by God. 
chosen for this high calling of priestly work, this, this connecting God and, and his creation, this being ones who get, to, who get to demonstrate what the good and full life of God is meant to be and bridging this gap between a world without God and a world in the, the fullness and the holiness and beauty of God. You're chosen to be holy, set apart people, not, a per, not just a person, but people. So therefore, live exemplary lives among the natives, amongst all those who, who live in this place around us. That way, they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. When we work well and do good work, we actually are doing, living in a way that invites others into the thing that we think is most important, life with God, right? And it's meant to be something we do together. So how are we cultivating the good together? At some point, we have to ask, ask that question. Not just what am I doing, but what are we doing? And so, to help us answer that question, this is going to throw everybody off because we've never done anything like this. Pull out your phone. What? Yes, our super high-tech thing is going super high-tech, right? So, pull out your phone. I'm, you think I was kidding, but I really am not kidding. You can pull out your phone. This is actually for you. So you can either take a picture of the QR code, which may or may not work. If that doesn't work, you can text FCMT to 90888, and you're going to get a survey. It's like a three to five minute survey. You get to do that right now. Yeah. You left your phone on the card. It's okay. I'll send this out in an, in an email later in the week. But it is a virus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually, I'm hacking all of your systems right now. It's really great. Um, you, are, you are so really, you're really trusting people. Um, I don't, I'm assuming it works with the iPhone. Um, I don't have an iPhone, so I don't know, but I'm assuming it works. Why do you have to download it? goes directly into the church fund. Um, you cannot use my phone now. <laughs> but thanks for asking. <laughs> so listen, like... These are really quick questions. They should be really fast. I'm going to give you like three or four minutes to answer these questions. It shouldn't take more than like six minutes tops. And so if you don't mind just answering them, and then we'll come back for just a brief second before we, before we end our time together in worship, okay? If you have any questions, let me know. questions. I know this may feel like kind of like a weird sermon because it's not really a sermon, right? This feels like a really kind of weird little gathering, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe if you've been around Christ City long enough, this is just normal, right? A little strange. Um, but listen, like the hope of even our, our time of going through this, everything that we do, truly, but like, but especially this season, has been to ground us in such a way that we can actually like walk together in this for a long time, Right? And so we've had to do some groundwork. We've had to do some, like, laying the foundation things of, of work and rest in a way that hopefully kind of gets us all on the same page so that we can actually have these conversations. We can actually continue to, to flesh this out together as we share life together, as we follow Jesus together, as we hopefully get to see the things that we want God to do in our lives and in the lives of our neighbors and our families and our communities around us as well. And so because we, we know that 
that there's so much that the life in Jesus offers us. And we really want to live that to the fullest, don't we? And so if, if that's true, and this is the way God has designed us to live and to be with him and with others, then we want to be able to, to do that well, to do that to his glory. And so now if I'd have been quicker in my communication and we had started on time, we would have a few moments even after this kind of the survey thing to discuss some of the things that we've learned and God's maybe put in our hearts um, during the series, but we're not going to do that because we're going to honor the, the people who are helping our littlest ones. Um, and so, but there are some questions up here. I think, Sam, if you can throw those reflection questions up. Maybe over dinner tonight after um, or gospel community this week, just maybe talk a little bit about some of the things that we've, we've chatted about over this series and kind of even maybe in this summation um, little kind of thing this evening. Um, what stood out to you most? What's been challenging? whether it be Sabbath or work or the mixture of them? And then what are you being led to do or to not do? I mean, that, that's, that's a big question, right? Like, what is God leading you into, both in work and Sabbath? Like, whether it's something to say no to or something to say yes to? Like, how are you actually, what are you actually being led to do, and who are you telling about that? And then what questions still remain? Again, because this isn't the end of the conversation. Like, this is, we're going to keep going in this just in a little bit different way. But what are, what, are the other, what are the questions that remain? What are the things that you need to answer that you can help others answer maybe even um, as we grow in this together? So we do this for me. As you wrap up, as you finish up, I know uh, Rory has another couple paragraphs to write. But as, 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 as other people are wrapping up, wrapping up, we do this for me just as we started. Let's do just as we started. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Take in a deep breath. As you breathe in, breathing in God for me. As you breathe out, breathing out God with me. Do it again. Deep breath. God for me. Let it out. God with me. Breathe in one more time. Hold it for a few seconds. God for me. And let out God with me. That was the reality of the day you woke up into today. That God was for you and that God is with you. That will be your reality tomorrow when you wake up again. Father, we thank you That we have life because of you. We have life in you. And Lord, we have, Lord, an opportunity, an invitation into life holy and beautiful. Set apart and complete. And Father, we want that. We want that for ourselves. We want that for our children, for our spouses, for our roommates, for our neighbors, for our coworkers. For those here in our city and for those around the world who have never even thought of an idea of a, that life could be something more than what it is. Father, Lord, we long for it because you've made us to long for it. We long for it because it is what you have designed and destined us to go after. And what you, Father, through your Son, have made a way for us to actually be a part of. 
And so we come here, Father, this evening grateful that you are for us and with us. Expecting, Father, Lord, that when we wake tomorrow, the same will be true. And so let us, Father, in these closing moments, declare in song our gratitude, our expectation. And may we go from here, Father, Lord, as ones competent because you're with us. You formed us. Courageous because you're with us. And you've overcome. I thank you for my friends who long for this fullness to be experienced and expressed in my life as much as their own. So pray just a blessing over them in your son's name. Amen. close together in song. Oh, good shepherd, would you teach me how to rest? I'm rushing.